Hey everyone, I'm Mark Talbot from 20 Foot Radius. And I'm Derek Myers from DungeonsMaster.com. I'm Craig Sutherland, and you're listening to Recounting Encounters, a D&D Adventures League podcast. A show where we talk about D&D encounters, D&D expeditions, D&D epics, and exploits from our D&D home games. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Recounting Encounters. Today we talk kind of a mishmash of mish, 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 mash of stuff. Anyway, Craig and Derek with me again today. Perfect. Um, I guess what we're going to start off with, we're going to start with a little bit of news with Craig. So, Craig, you said you have a couple of tidbits for us, so let's give it to our audience. Yep, just a couple. Yeah, <laughs> give it to them. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it is that time of uh, the time of the season now where everyone's games are starting to wind down and everyone's kind of looking to the next one coming up, but it's still a few weeks out. Um, so yeah, not not much happening on the the game front necessarily, but uh, in terms of news and what's going on, uh, so obviously the big one was the the announcement of the OGL and the SRD, and as a result of that, we've started to see some uh, some updates, uh, some companies jumping in now with uh, with things. So. If you've been playing games for a while, you've probably, or you may be uh, familiar with a program called Hero Lab. Uh, so essentially, it's just a character creator. If you only played D and D, maybe you're not so familiar with it because I know obviously in Fourth Edition they had their own uh, proprietary one. But um, if you played other systems, uh, particularly Pathfinder, um, Hero Lab has been the go-to character creator and is the official licensed character creator for Pathfinder. Um, so the company that makes it is is look is pursuing getting a, an official license from Wizards of the Coast. Their intention is that they would like to have all the content from the books. So essentially you buy the program and you pay the license fee for the uh, whatever book you want. And then as in the future when they, they put out additional rules books, you can pay a fee to get a license for that. And I should say when you have a license, it's, it's, there's no expiry. It's, it, once you buy it, it's yours for good kind of thing, just in case. That just seems to be a question that comes up quite often with them. But uh, but basically, that what they have done in the meantime, though, is they've put out a 5th edition SRD uh, character creator now. So it's it's all the stuff that you find in the SRD. So obviously not all the rules options, but, uh, you know, from the player's handbook, but it, it does have all the stuff from the SRD in there. So that's, that, the, that's their start, and they want to do that for sure. But I know they're looking, hoping to get uh, some sort of official approval from Wizards of the Coast in order to do the entire gamut of things. Now, it's also important to mention, if, you, if you're interested in this kind of thing, you can add your own content to it as well. So the idea is that you have the SRD, you can add in any of the, the rules and whatnot that aren't already in there in the SRD. Uh, obviously, there'd be no worry about any issue about that, you know, as long as you're not selling it, basically. But uh, yeah, so that's the, the character career news. Now, what do you guys think? Would you be interested in the character critter there, or because how easy it is to make fifth edition characters not necessary? I don't know. It's uh, from coming from fourth edition, where they had the very extensive character generator that was absolutely required to make a character. Oh yeah. You you became very dependent on the tech, and when fifth edition came out, to your point, character generation was fairly simple. And once you've played a, even just a little bit, the character creation becomes even simpler, especially if you're doing, say, public play where you got to start at level one anyway, no big deal. You just, you know, you fire it out. But I think now that 5th edition's been out for, you know, more than a year, coming on two years, um, 
you get a lot of games, like I know with my home game, uh, my guys decided that we didn't want to start back at level one. We wanted to start, you know, higher level than that. And we found that, that that character creation process started to become a little more challenging. You wanted to, you know, see how your options played out. And a digital online uh, app or uh, program or what have you to make the characters, I think, <laughs> would have been uh, appreciated, but certainly isn't necessary. Um, I guess it really comes down to uh, how many, how often are you building new characters? And, sure you know, with fourth edition, I found because there was so many options, you, uh, for me anyway, I was building characters a lot just to sort of see how they played out. With fifth edition, I'm not really getting that sense that people are doing that, at least from the games I've been playing, the public play, and my home games. People make one or two characters and they, they're curious. They want to see how they progress all the way through the levels. And, um, so yeah, I don't know if it's necessary to have it, but it's certainly uh, you know if it's there, we would certainly use it, assuming it had all the options available. But what what would really be handy? I mean, I'm kind of in the same vein as you, Derek. It's uh, you know it's fairly simple to create, but you know eventually you're going to get more content. When you get more content, then the backgrounds are going to be scattered throughout 600 books as usual, and all that kind of stuff, right? So it'd be nice to have a quick reference that when you're making a new character, whether it be at 15th level or first level, that you know if if your character is eligible for 20 different backgrounds to have those listed so you can go through them quickly instead of having to pull four or five, six different books out, right? Right. Uh, that'd, yeah. be, that'd be great. But the best thing that I think happened in 4th edition is not necessarily the character builder, but the, um, the, the compendium was absolutely phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, a database of everything that you could search online was fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's I, true. You know, it, it saved you from having to lug the books around. Uh, um, I know when I go to play uh, public play a couple times a week, I have to be very selective about what books I'm bringing with me uh, just because I I don't usually go directly to the game, especially during the week. I go to work first, so I'm lugging around books and I'm lugging around the big map, flip mat, and and I have to prioritize. Whereas when it was digital, all I needed was my laptop or I guess today's date, my tablet, and I'd be able to to call everything up. I'd only need the one device, which I usually carry with me anyway, so, so that wouldn't really matter. So, yeah, if they could come up with some sort of online digital compendium, great, but from a dollars and cents point of view, I, I can certainly understand the hesitation by wizards to want to put it out there. Once it's out there, people aren't nearly as inclined to buy the hardcover books. So, you know, don't, I don't really have an answer for it. I'm just uh, realistic about the the challenges around making such a thing available. Oh, for sure. Indeed. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens, right? But um, it'd be cool. But ultimately, like with fourth edition, for sure, it was something that it was very difficult to just create a character by hand. It, I mean, it was doable, but it was just, uh, very time-consuming, and somewhere along the way, you probably made a mistake. Right, right? By the and time you calculated all the, all the bonuses. And, yeah, yeah. Powers, bonuses, yeah. But, so, it was, it was so convenient just to click of a button, and it's all done for you. But, yeah, definitely with 5th edition, it's a big difference. It's a lot simpler to make a character, so... I don't know. Well, just, I, it, let, let me give you an example. So, I was recently invited to play a 4th edition game, and... They, you know, the DM described to me, this is sort of where we are, this is our level, this is the campaign style. And I thought, oh, that kind of sounds interesting. And, and I really wanted to go out and play with this group because I, I hadn't done so since 4th edition was big. And I started thinking about it, and I'm like, I'm going to have to make this character. I think their campaign was like level 10. I thought, I'm going to have to make this character from scratch because I don't have a builder online that's going to be up to date. And, and I started looking at the shelf and all the books, and I'm like, forget it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm pass. 
And, you know, I sent them a very polite email. Thanks for the invite. Uh, you know, I made up some sad excuse about why I couldn't play. And I was just like, if you guys ever want to join, uh, join me for a fifth edition game, since that's a f- the edition I'm familiar with, great. But it's sort of sad. Like, I have a whole shelf on my bookshelf here full of fourth edition books. And aside from the art and the flavor and, the you know, maybe pouring through them for ideas for new campaigns, the mechanics in those books is, for all, in pur- all intents and purposes, dead to me. Yeah, no, it's true. And used to be so hardcore fourth edition. Well, because it was the current edition. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're you're a current edition guy, but yeah, I, I mean, see make what no mistake. We we had fun with fourth edition. It was a great. Oh, I loved it for the time. Yeah, for sure. I liked it for the first couple of years, and then it, then the rules started getting to me. Then the then, then then I hit epic. I think that's where it kind of lost me. Anyway, yeah, yeah, regardless, we're not going to talk yeah, fourth yeah. edition <laughs> wars. Um, but yeah, no. To your point is, you know, I have a I have a ton of D&D 4th edition stuff also and I, I you know I just use it now to supplement my 5th edition stuff which I'm actually doing now but it was a sad day I got an email the other day and it says we are sorry but your D&D insider subscription to the character builder has now expired yeah and you can't uh, sign up for, they, they anyone who has it currently you can keep it and keep going with it but you can't sign up for new accounts anymore well I, I yeah I just wonder if they're going to be releasing at least, you know, the character builder for free now because, you know, a lot of people do have characters in their builder and how are they going to access that character? I don't know. Maybe. So I'm maybe not playing 4th edition anymore, it's not really my problem. I, I mean, i got to say, I'm, not <laughs> sure, I'm sure that they're not really thinking too much about that either, right? There's, uh, you know, yeah. they're for the new edition and whatever, right? But... Uh, but anyhow, uh, that's 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 where it's at with the Hero Lab situation. So I, I personally, I think they do probably have a good chance at potentially becoming an effect. Because, I mean, we do know that, that Wizards was interested in some kind of character generator from before. When they had that, uh, oh, what the heck was it called? Project Morningstar, and then it was called yeah. Hero Escape or, some, or Dungeon Escape, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, that obviously didn't work out. But we know, based on that, that they were interested in that, so potentially could be Hero Lab. Uh, I remember at the time a lot of people were wondering why don't they just use Hero Lab? That's established software and it's really good. But Well, we'll see what happens. But uh, one other interesting note before we move on. Uh, Hero Lab is they do have an iPad uh, version 2 for those of you with uh, iOS uh, mobile devices. I'm not sure if that also includes... I think it also includes Android as well if you use Android. Um, or if, uh, like me, I've recently converted to the Surface Pro 4 so it's just a straight up PC basically. No worries. But anyhow, all right. So moving on, uh, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Uh, Ed Greenwood has also uh, announced he's going to be supporting some stuff, but not in an official was the coast way. He's going to be creating some Forgotten Realms content, focusing on, uh, from what I understand, it's going to be focusing on little uh, detailed areas through the Forgotten Realms. So you're not going to have like a Baldur's Gate article or anything like that but he's going to be detailing regions that are that don't normally get a lot of attention and he's also going to be publishing adventures through the uh forgotten realms as well i think it's the idea was that he's going to focus on a region every year and then publish a couple of adventures and write a couple of very short not novels but like not even novellas i think he says just very short stories set in those regions as well so it's sort of a whole smattering of content uh that's all going to be put up through the dm uh, dm's guild website cool. so i find that kind of interesting that uh, because he as you know he was the original creator of the forgotten realms and now you know he was sold wholesale to tsr now owned by wizards of the coast uh and he he definitely is a contributing author to it but technically he could put up whatever he wants at this point 
whether it goes against I mean I don't think he's going to do that but uh, like whether it was it went against what they you know canon or w what they wanted so I just thought it was kind of an interesting situation on the other side of the fence now that cuz he's not really he's not an, a Watsi employee but he's going to be putting up official well sorry I shouldn't say official he's going to be putting up content for Forgotten Realms that a lot of people will probably see as being official because he was the original creator yeah but, got his name on it so yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, I don't think he's malicious, and I, and I don't think he's going to be. Yeah, he's not sure. burning that bridge by any yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. No, he's but gonna, it, he's gonna, yeah. I'm certainly looking forward to see w what he does with that. Uh, but yeah, but beyond that, I mean, a lot of other companies are sort of announcing their things now and, and sort of jumping on with the OGL and the SRD stuff. So we'll see what happens. But there's already a bunch of stuff up on the uh, DM Guild. But if Wizards doesn't make any coin from it, won't Ed get uh, no, they, they burned? No, they coin from it. What? They will make coin for if he puts it up for sale on DM's Guild. Oh, Ed, by rights, he has to put stuff. He has to put. He gets fifty percent of the profit of every purchase, and then Wizards gets twenty. Lesser, yeah, twenty percent. Wizards gets twenty, and uh, uh, one, shelf one, yeah. one shelf gets thirty. Yeah. But they just get no say. Like Wizards gets no say, but what he puts out, though, right? Well, essentially, I mean, if he put up something like, well, it has to conform to the to the guidelines within the uh, within the uh, OSD. And it can't infringe on anything they already have, but the, the guidelines are pretty loosey-goosey in the sense that they want you to use established Forgotten Realm stuff because they think that will help bolster sales, which helps everybody. Yeah. And he, he's a recognizable name, right? He could put out, you know, he could uh, write a two-page essay on, on, you know, how this character takes a crap, and it's like, oh my god, he's talking about Elminster, Let, let's buy it. <laughs> you know, he's got that name recognition, so. Yeah, yeah like, they, like, if you're publishing to the OGL, they remove some of the restrictions from. Um, oh, sorry. I, I meant if you're publishing to the DMs Guild, they remove some of the restrictions of the OGL, uh, like you know how you can't use like beholders and stuff. I think some of the monster restrictions are lifted, and definitely using setting names and stuff if it's Forgotten Realms. Right. Um, yeah. As long as it's, it's somehow tied, it's either campaign agnostic or Forgotten Realms specific, and uh, you're able to to use more. More stuff that way if you're putting up to the DMs Guild, but I don't know. I mean, obviously it's still pretty new, so we'll see how how this uh, impacts everything overall. But interesting to to see. I'm very curious to see what he puts out and, and what other people like that, right? Like if, not necessarily just Ed Greenwood, but I know on one of their podcasts recently they were talking about some of their the Wizards of the Coast employees were wondering, well, can we put stuff up there? And then yeah. they're like, oh, well, yeah, they're like, well, we haven't really decided that yet, so for now, no. Yeah, really. Yeah, so. Well, the, uh, yeah, I guess just on a side note is you're talking about OGL and all that kind of stuff like that. Um, Salvatore did this whole Neverwinter thing with uh, the Underdark. That kind of bombed. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was, was, uh, it was, it was good, but it was easy and there was no endgame to it. So they, they made an under underdark city, right? Mantel Dareth. Uh I think it's I think it's mentioned it's one of the drow outposts, you know, friendly to everybody and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, because when I think drow outposts, I think friendly. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but it's Mantel Dareth, which is which is one of those guys who trade with the with the, the surface dwellers as well as the underdark, right? Okay. So you go in and basically every hour on the half hour you're able to fight Demogorgon. And then you go and you do a couple of skirmishes, but in terms of end game, there's no you interact with Brunor for, for ten little mini sessions and then after that you don't see these guys anymore. So yeah. there's there's no story, there's no nothing. You just go in, kill a demon and grab Icor and have new new armor and weapons and that's it. 
So it just kind of feels tacked on then? Yeah, that's that's all it feels. It's like an add-on. There's there's no storyline. There's no end game. There's no nothing. And it's pretty sad because people were quite excited about the Underdark. I mean, even Well of Dragons was like, oh my god, we got to kill Tiamat, right? But this one here is like, oh, okay, well, you're part of this. Well, you can access Demogorgon right away and kill Demogorgon and that's it. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of flops, that's, I guess, what we were talking about. Anyway, so, Craig, yes. last thing. We were talking conventions. So, yes. is, is Wizards going to be at Gen Con this year? They will not be at Gen Con. Ooh, where will they be instead? Indeed. So, they have uh, <laughs> just recently, well, like a little little bit ago, uh, put out uh, an article, Where Can You Find the D&D Team in 2016? So, they basically outlined their, their um, convention itinerary for the year. Now, so, hold on. Let me just to be clear. When we say wizards, we mean the actual people wizards. from wizards, not right. products from wizards. So we're not saying there's no Dungeons and Dragons at Gen Con. We're just saying yep, yep, they are not going to be there in an official capacity to run events and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into the details, especially concerning yeah. Gen Con, because we're all going to Gen Con. Uh, but first and foremost, this year you're going to find them uh, February 3rd through 7th. So just, uh, I guess, next weekend at the time of our recording here. Um, it's going. They're going to be at uh, Winter Fantasy. Um, so, if for anyone who's not familiar with Winter Fantasy, it, it used to be the Dungeons and Dragons experience. It was all D and D all the time. Uh, but I believe Winter Fantasy has been around for for quite a while. So D and D, it's no longer just a D and D convention here. It, it is back to being Winter Fantasy, but there's still a heavy D and D presence. And they will most definitely be there. And I believe they are previewing some stuff from the upcoming season of uh, the Adventures League. Yep, they are uh, doing epic? the D&D Epic, which is, oh, I want to say it's called Reclaiming Flan. It's basically the premise is, uh, at the end of Tyranny of Dragons expedition storylines, the dragon took over Flan and everybody else, everyone had to run away. Um, this is basically you you mount your resistance and you try to retake Flan. And I, I had the fortunate experience of being able to playtest the Epic a couple of weeks ago, and although it's not the same experience doing a, a small group for a playtest one table as it is doing the epic in a con with hundreds of people and probably a hundred or more tables, it was still a lot of fun. So anyone who's going, yeah. if you don't have a ticket for the epic, you should try to get one. If you've got a ticket for the epic, you are not going to be disappointed. It was fantastic. And it does have Ravenloft storyline, Curse of Strahd storyline tie-ins, some subtle, some definitely not so subtle, and that's all I'm going to say at this point. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly hear more and about it after next weekend once people have played it. Yeah, I would love, love, love to play this one. I love, first of all, the epics are awesome. I love how exclusive they are. This is kind of a double-edged sword, though, because I guess I'm not going to be able to play this one. But, uh, oh, man, I would love to. I, I love them going back to Flan and, and dealing with that situation because that was a pretty big thing. You know, that's the thing with the expeditions. Although they are, like, one-off scenarios, there are running plot threads going on. And, and I, I really liked, thus far, their adherence to uh, to going back to those kinds of details where you see some NPCs from the previous season and whatnot, right? So, And, and yeah, the, the epic definitely, because you go back to a familiar setting, there are numerous NPCs, both friendly and unfriendly, that you have encountered in the previous expeditions that you you need to interact with in some cases in a positive way in some cases in a negative way so every time we were coming into a different encounter the dm was saying which characters have played the following modules and would list them uh, because then the dm would remind us in 
this game you met this person and that's who this is so not only was it that that uh, tie back to the older adventures but it sort of emphasized for the first time in a long time why keeping an up-to-date adventure log is so important because yeah no kidding i've played a lot of games with a lot of characters and i dm'd a lot of the games so as the dm uh for the epic was was describing what was going on me the player knew but I couldn't remember if it was me, the player from this character, or me, the player from this from DMing it. So it was good that I had my logs up to date. And I could go back and say, yeah, this character's done that one and that one, but no, not that one, no, not that one. But I do understand what's going on. And um, so yeah, you it, it definitely felt like you're getting more bang for your buck if you've been playing through the previous seasons. This was uh, this was a very satisfying, at least for the you know the parts that I played, it was very satisfying. So oh yeah, very cool, very cool. I would love to play that one, but. We'll see what happens. Uh, all right, and then next up we have in March, GaryCon. So March 3rd through 6th. So GaryCon's kind of a surprise that what, uh, was the coast is going to... Because they've been talking about it quite a bit, too. Uh, but essentially, this is um, this is sort of a more of an old-school uh, RPG con. Hence it, that it's GaryCon, right? It's, in, it's right in Lake Geneva. So uh, this is you're going to see a lot of guys like... Uh, you know, a lot of the old guard of the original D&D times. The old, the old Gen Con. Sorry? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. It was like, at the old horticultural hall that they had the some of the first Gen Cons, right? So Now, now Craig, let me interrupt you for a minute, because I'm sure we've got some people listening to this podcast going, why are they calling it Gary Con? Yeah, oh, no, yeah, that's what I was getting into. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they used to have Gen Con back at the old horticultural hall, but the very first one, I believe, was at the house of Gary Gygax, who, if you're not familiar with that name, he is one of the uh, original creators of Dungeons & Dragons and essentially the father of the role-playing game in general. Essentially. Uh, uh, sorry, I guess we, you know, just so we don't get into some or like semantics about it, of the modern day role playing game. So, uh, all in all, semantically, he's all RPGers' god. He's the Black Sabbath of, of yeah. <laughs> the heavy metal that is with yes. games. Yeah. Well, him and uh, Dave Arneson. But Gary Gygax, of course, was also the face of it for quite a long time, too. Um, so that's why he is most well known as being uh, the face of, or sorry, the creator of D&D. But anyhow, uh, Gary Kahn started, I believe, just the year after he passed away. And uh, they've had one, they've had it every year since. And so, like I said, it's always been very focused on the the older, like the, the white box, the original zero edition D&D, the very first set of D&D that ever came out. And then, of course, first edition, which Gary Gygax was heavily involved with. So it's interesting that, uh, that Wizards Coast having such a heavy presence there and i think it just kind of goes again to show that they're they're wanting to be in touch with all the sort of past of editions of D D, right so they're not just focusing on you know four third and that's it kind of thing it's the whole gamut uh but yeah so they'll be there uh and then the first of two paxes so that's the penny arcade expo april 22nd through 24th they're going to be in boston for pax east uh so pax is generally more of a video game thing but uh because the guys who run penny arcade which is an online web comic that's what it started as got really popular now they have their own expo uh they have several of them now every year but um essentially those guys got really into DD at 1.2 and uh, would would post about it on their website quite often so a lot of their fans were like what the heck is this DD stuff you, you mean you can play a video game on a table without a without a t- television was kind of the way it, it came up so 
you know, I think they've had great success there. Uh, so they've they've gone gone to these. Um, if you've seen acquisitions incorporated, a lot of people are familiar with that. That's all done at PAX, um, and yeah, basically. That's like the big show for them is these pack shows. Now, is Acquisitions Inc. actually going to happen again this year? Oh yeah, the live stream. At, yeah, they do it at they do it at every single pack. So there's always at least two uh, Acquisitions Inc. guys. Yeah, there's always the one at the. I haven't season. seen I haven't seen any live streams in the last year. Oh yeah, no, no, there is one last year. There's two last year. Oh. they right now. They're they always have the Penny Arcade guys. Uh, Chris Perkins is the DM. Uh, they have another guy from another webcomic, and then they have um, usually a celebrity, quote-unquote, celebrity guest. And they've had Patrick Rothfuss up there for the past couple of sessions, he, who's an author, if uh, you're not familiar with him. I'm not. Yeah. Sorry, I'll admit it. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's not like he wrote this, like, you know... He's no Will Wheaton, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But they did have Will Wheaton before. I know, I know. That's... He was their first celebrity. Yeah. Indeed, but uh, no. Patrick Patrick Rothfuss wrote uh, "Name of the Wind" and "Wise Man's Fear." Anyway, look it up. I will. I will. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, yeah, they're they're usually pretty heavily involved with packs. So there you go. That's the first one is April, and then of course uh, we have uh, Origins. I've never been to Origins. I would love to go, but that's uh, it's uh, Origins is a little bit more of a trade show, is it not? I believe so. It's out west, right? It's uh, it's it's in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, no, that's not the one I'm thinking of then. Yeah. That's actually it's, not far from us. No, I know it's it's actually closer than if we were. To How go come to we don't go to that one? Man, we're stupid. We got to look know. into these things. It's June fifteenth through the nineteenth, so it's right in the middle of June, um, and the, yeah, they're going to be at um, Origins. And from what I understand. And they don't have a football team, and they won't charge exorbitant prices for hotels. So well, I'm down on that. <laughs> from their site, they said Origins will be the D and D tabletop gaming event of the year, host to an ad- exclusive Adventures League preview for season five. Well, okay. So, so that, yeah, yes, that that is true, but there are a lot of other conventions that hold that hold those premieres. So yeah, yeah, for sure. It's not like it will be the only one ever, but uh, usually that usually anyway. But you got to think that's going to be for season five, though, right? That whatever comes after Curse of Strahd. Oh yes, indeed, yeah, indeed. So, so yeah, you'll be really be getting a sneak preview. Yeah, nice. for sure. And oh, also, the D and D Open is returning to Origins. <gasps> yeah, I, I saw that, and I meant to tell you, Derek, because I know you love the D and D. Oh my, okay, I'm writing this down so I can say, look it up after the podcast. They say that's right. The D and D Open is back, and this time we're challenging you to risk the lives and limbs of your favorite Adventures League characters in an epic foray into Undermountain. The grandest dungeon of them all. So we're talking about Open Championship here, right? And it's Adventures League? Ooh, yep. This should be interesting then. Yeah, but this is where they'll look at the uh, the adventure logs if they're letting you bring in characters above level one. Yeah. And it says, the risks are great, but the rewards are even greater. If that's not enough, we'll have D&D board game tournaments, exclusive GM guild panels, and uh, awesome swag, and even more surprises. So it sounds like a, this is sort of like a big event for them, like in the industry sort of convention. Who are the dates again, Craig? You got them there? <laughs> June 15th and 19th. Let's go. Let's do this. Yep. No, after this podcast, we're going to do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I, let me sort of just jump in here a minute ago. You were talking about the uh, the Gary Con and Gary Gyax and the, the yeah, original yeah. white box. Uh, important note. Uh, oh, yes. So that original white box is now available as a yeah. PDF download from the drive-thru RPG. It's $9.99. It's US dollars. Yeah, of course. So it's like $50 Canadian. Um <laughs> 
Yeah. So uh, previously it had been out of circulation, out of print for years and years and years. Then they put out this very nice wooden collector's box a few years back and it was like 150 bucks. And it came with reprints of the original books and it came with a set of dice and I got it for Christmas. It's fantastic. It's a beautiful piece. But it was very expensive and believe me, I was never buying it for myself. Uh, So yeah, they they, uh, announced uh, just last week that it is now available as an official PDF download. So if uh, if you're interested in uh, owning a slice of history in a digital format, here you go. Uh, it's, 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 it's totally it's, worth it. It's very yep. cool, even if just for a, a quick read through. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I like when I looked through mine. It's it's you you really have to put your expectations in check. Like this was the first thing. Mm-hmm. So everything that's come since then has been built on it, has improved, has yeah. tweaked, has you know finessed. This was. We have nothing. Well, yeah, it we really had no gold standard to sort of compare itself yeah, to. Like, yeah. You really have to look at it with that lens. It came out in the early 70s when there had been nothing like it before. It is far from perfect. And these were guys, both Gygax and uh, Arneson were very, very into like wargaming kind of yeah. like war, Warhammer, but yeah, like, like exactly stuff, like right? That kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, and very interesting. A lot of it is, is I found very entertaining to read through just to sort of get a sense of what were the origins of the game that I, I so much enjoy playing. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it was <laughs> – it is what it is. If you're going to search for it, it's listed under zero edition, zero E, yeah. uh, D Dungeons & Dragons original edition. So That's great. Interested there. Yes. Okay, sorry. Segway. Yeah, yeah, no just a quick note about it, though, the PDF. Because if you got the box, I believe they give you all five of the little booklets that ever came out for it, which is like seven actually. But yeah, it was. It oh was... yeah, well they give you five of them in the in the in the box set. Yeah. But um, in the the PDF, it's only three. Oh okay. It's only one, two, three. However, it's only nine bucks, so or nine yeah, nine. Yeah, really. Ten bucks, so yeah. Anyway, all right. So back to the con schedule. Origins sounds awesome. I think we're gonna potentially look at that one after this podcast. Next up, Pax Prime. So this is the. This is sort of the, the bit where Gen Con would have come in before this, but uh, PAX Prime is August 28th through 31st, so only a couple weeks after Gen Con. Um, so PAX Prime is, hence being called Prime, is the big PAX. This, this is the one that started all their conventions, and uh, this is the big one, generally. So uh, Wizards of the Coast is going to be basically sending everyone there, like from as in from their staff. Um, so they're going to have a major presence there. And I, and I imagine for them it's, it's difficult... To have everyone over in, uh, you know, because it's in Seattle too, by the way, but to have everyone in Indianapolis for Gen Con, which is the the biggest convention in the tabletop gaming industry, and then a couple weeks later, send everyone out over to Seattle. I mean, I know that's very close to home for them, but having to do another really, really big show out there as well just a few weeks later, it's probably pretty grueling, especially after, you know, a year of... Uh, going through a whole bunch of these uh, conventions. So this year they will not be coming to Gen Con. Now last year they were not um, they were at Gen Con sort of, but it was not in any kind of official capacity where you didn't find the Wizards of the Coast booth where they were selling their stuff. Of course all the other vendors were selling D&D stuff, but you didn't find the official Wizards one like previous years. Um, but they had uh, Mike Merles and Jeremy Crawford had showed up uh, just for some Q&As and, and such. Not even in an official capacity either. It's just more wandering around the floor. and They, they were sitting at a signing booth where you could come over and talk to them for a little bit. So we, there was no panels last year. And that will continue to be the case this year. However, fret not because there will be a big Adventures League uh, presence. Baldman Games is going to be 
uh, hosting them, like as normal. I think anytime there's Adventures League in any of the the conventions, Baldwin Games is it not? I believe so. Yeah. So they'll they'll be at uh, Gen Con and they'll be running all the Adventures League games. So not to worry. Cool. Okay. Don't, yeah. It, Gen Con so far out, we don't really have a whole lot of detail about what's going to happen with that. Like if they're going to do their VIP passes and stuff like that again. I'm sure they no. probably will, but. Based on last year, I'm sure they're going to be. There's going to be a little more detail about it this year. Yeah, communication will be key, and as we get more info, we'll talk about it. So, yeah, all right. Good. So, cons, cons, cons. And if you don't go to cons, then you're like, oh my god, get to something I'm more interested in. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's let's shift this over then. So we'll talk about out of the abyss, the rage of demons. So, uh, it's been a while since we've done a recap. And with my group, uh, we basically played through to the Jurger city of Gracklestruck. And then that took us five, six, seven-ish weeks. And we didn't even do everything, but we, we finished up in the Jurger city. My guys were just ready to leave, which they did. We did one more session afterwards, which was the, um, the crypt that is one of the mini adventures you play sort of between points of interests where you eventually have the opportunity to find the Magic Sword Dawnbringer. So my group played out through that little adventure, and it was really tough considering they were level 5, and that that little side trek is, in theory, for levels 1 and 2, it's, uh, it was a pretty tough encounter for them. But they did survive, and they did find the Dawnbringer Sword. And then after that, the group sort of had a little discussion about what we wanted to do next and how much time was left in the season and how the story was going to not really end correctly because we weren't certainly weren't going to play through the entire book and uh the players sort of threw their hands up and said you know what then let's just call it here and we have since switched to the expeditions and uh the players have seemed a lot happier with that decision because they're getting a lot more experience points in a much shorter period of time they're getting a couple of magic items here and there and they know that if they have to miss a week or two they're not missing big chunks of an ongoing story the the expeditions are pretty self-contained so Regrettably, unfortunately, that was it. Encounters for my group sort of ended the week after Christmas. That was it. We we've officially put put the the end to the encounters part of the program and are just rocking through with Adventurers League until the uh, Curse of Strahd is officially released. Indeed. And Craig, correct me if I'm wrong, but you never had uh, your your tables basically fizzled before Christmas and never got back to it, did they? Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately. So essentially, for a number of factors, uh, essentially, we started out pretty strong, had a good full table. Um, and over the weeks, things were going good. But a couple of players knew that they weren't going to be around much during the holidays or weren't going to be available one week to another week or whatever. I had my big Romanian vacation, which was a lot of fun. So there was a lot of delays here and there. But then once we got back into it, it was back in, in, uh, in November, it was just, you know, sometimes we would come and two people would show up from the table or, you know, sometimes no one would show up or we'd have three and we'd have to just, it, it was difficult when you have the bare minimum to play, especially some of the content in the, um, uh, in the Underdark there could be pretty, pretty challenging. And I know as a DM, you, you have to kind of, you know, work, yeah. work with that. And, and but I, it comes to a point where it's like, mm, it, it's, it's, it's getting too much of a, well, you know, and I know that, have to adjust it like that. 
Yeah, and I know that your players, some of your players, a couple of them anyway, were pretty uh, diehard. They were there every week, and so the weeks that either you weren't there or your table wasn't able to play, they were hopping onto another group, and eventually that really became their main group. Yeah, and that was part of the challenge as well was pulling them away from the group that they might have played with for the last two or three or four weeks to have them play with your group for a week and essentially go back in the adventure. It's and and I had that same problem last season where we just had a hard time. I was the table of misfit toys. It was sort of the new walk-ins and the people who had missed uh, weeks, and yeah, it was just it was just difficult. So yeah, and I don't know. Well, I do know. I, I think, and we've talked about this before, so we won't beat it to death. But I think in this season, the nature of the adventure, where it was, you know, you're you're trapped in the underdark, you're searching for a way out. Um, it didn't make sense for you to use those same characters in expeditions happening in or near Mallmaster one week, and then have them port back into the underdark the next week. So you, in order to keep that story continuity, those characters were really locked down, and and I think that a lot of the players just weren't into that. They they either didn't latch on to the the out of the abyss uh, the uh, out of the abyss story wholeheartedly, or they just weren't wild about having to do multiple characters in the same season. So, yeah, yeah. For, I I you know to be fair though, I I really liked the season. I was really looking forward to doing it, but it just did not happen. So, no. Yeah, I almost sorry. Go ahead, Mark. No, I was just gonna say on a half decent note is now my group is starting fourth edition or fifth edition, and. I'm taking them through a couple of, um, um, just to, to, to level them up, the Adventures League stuff. So they're they're sanctioning them and everything like that, so I'm doing that, which is kind of cool. And on top of that is we're going to do uh, Out of the Abyss from start to finish. So remember how we were talking about how it's probably better as a home group type Absolutely. thing? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So I'll be able, to, uh, I'll be able to, to, to give you guys updates on what's going on with my group in terms of like how did this go, how did that go, versus you know trying to do it every week. So yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, well, cool. at the beginning, I mean, you'll have a lot of resources from both Craig and I because we've read through and run through a lot of it. But right. I think once your guys sort of get to that chapter five, chapter six, which is about where my group stopped, um, you know, you'll be the one sort of explaining to us how it's working or not working. And uh, I'm, I'm very interested to hear how it plays out because reading through the Out of the Abyss hardcover, it almost felt to me like this would almost make for a better novel where somebody yeah, else has defined the story. Uh, and I'm just reading about it rather than trying to run a group of role players through it, uh, especially sort of the second half of the book. Like there's, there's, whereas the Horde of the Dragon Queen was two separate modules, like two different hardcover books. There was a definitive break. This book has that definitive break, but it's still contained in one book. I think that second half is where you're really going to start to see a lot of the dividends pay off. To me, when I was reading through it, that sounded like it was going to be a lot more exciting. But in order for that to really work, you need to have that that camaraderie and that shared history of the characters of the party of going through that earlier stuff. So I think if you just said we're going to do a home game, we're going to jump right to the level eight stuff, I've, you know, whether you want to make it illegally adventures league or not, um, I think that that's where you're going to have a lot of fun with it. So I'm, I'm curious, Mark. You know, in a few months from now, or many months from now, when your group gets there, I'm very interested to hear how it starts. Well, who knows? We play six hours a night, right? So I mean, we can get through a lot that you don't get through an encounter. So we can basically. Gooch yeah. right past all that stuff. Yeah, but I know your group. They like to chat and drink and <laughs> tell bad jokes. And, <laughs> and that's fart. half the fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Plus we're online, which makes it a little bit longer. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, uh, but on that point, let's, uh, so that's sort of the encounters part of it, but the expeditions part of it, um, I, I've had the chance to play 
or run almost all of the the modules that have been released to date so far, and uh, they are being received quite well by the players. Players seem to enjoy them. Uh, my my uh, I think sort of the only criticism I have, and this is more a criticism of the way the modules are are constructed, is that there's a lot of similar um, objectives, like there's a lot of similar locations that you, or the same locations you have to revisit in some of the mods, or there's certain NPCs that show up again and again. And I found that with this season, there doesn't seem to be that consistency, and I think it's because the creators were all writing them in tandem, and then when they were all submitted, there wasn't necessarily that time to do the massaging of editing, of sort of going, well, you know, this module's coming out first, and it's described like this, and then this module's the second one, and the description is different enough that you're like, oh, I don't know, it sort of seems a little different. I'm like, yet they're calling it the same thing. So that was sort of my only real criticism uh, or you know feedback is that some of the um, some of the descriptions, some of the locations, some of the NPCs that do appear in multiple adventures don't seem to have that consistency. But other than that, no, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm, there's still a few more to come. I'm kind of curious to see where they go, and um, yeah, we'll we'll be moving on to the Curse of Strahd here in, in mid March, about uh, six weeks from now. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And the, that's definitely uh, something that's you know, we're going to see differently, right? With uh, like an encounters having those really long, drawn out things that you're if you're just playing on Wednesdays, you're probably not going to get through the whole thing. But uh, with Curse of Strahd, at least from we, we haven't seen it yet, but uh, from the sounds of it, it's going to be a lot shorter, so potentially said, obtainable. I think I said 12 to 16 hours of play, mm-hmm. which in my experience, we can, with my, personally my experience as the DM and the tables of an I run, when they say it's X number of hours, uh, we usually seem to get through it a lot faster. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it, I, to Mark's point, I think it depends on how many hours per night you play. If you're... Yeah, exactly. You know, one and a half to two hour slot, yeah, you're probably going to need a lot of weeks. Whereas, uh, you know, like yeah. Mark's case, if he's doing five or six hours, then he's going to plow through it a lot faster, obviously. But I mean, they've been listening to people's feedback, right? So, uh, you know, they're trying to see other things that work. And now I know, I think it was Chris Perkins who had said previously, uh, before we knew it was Curse of Strahd as the next one, he said that the next season was going to be the hardcover book adventure was going to be shorter. And then the season after that, even, would be even shorter. So. We'll see what they have uh, cooked up. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. All right. Do we have anything else? No, I can't, can think of. can't think of anything. Yeah, no, we're, All right. we're starting to get psyched for the next season while we're running out the clock on this season. Yep. Sounds good. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. And this concludes this week's episode of Recounting Encounters. Join us next week as, I don't know, we talk about something else. <laughs> Until next time, have a blast. You can follow me on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM and be sure to visit DungeonsMaster.com for original D&D 4th edition material, including a weekly field report of my D&D encounters experiences. And follow me on Twitter at 20foot and visit 20footradius.blogspot.com for your weekly dose of D&D encounters. That's 20footradius20ftradius.blogspot.com. Until then, have a blast.